Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us this week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass U.S. Wine Market. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Joe Lang to the Italian Wine Podcast. In 2007, Joe joined the fifth generation in establishing Lang Twins Family Winery and Vineyards, first serving as the Consumer Direct Manager and later in 2015, shifting his role to become the Director of International Sales. Lang Twins is distributed internationally in 15 countries from South Korea to Denmark, and Joe is key to directing those export markets for Lang Twins. Welcome to the show, Joe. It's great to have you here. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we dive into today's discussion focused on international trade shows, Joe, tell us a little bit more about Lang Twins and your family's history um, in, in Lodi and in California wine. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, as you might have been able to uh, decipher from my last name, this is a family business. So uh, Lang Twins is named after my uh, dad and his identical twin brother. And they started a vineyard management company about 40 plus years ago and continuing on in that tradition of farming um, from uh, their father and and a lineage from back from there. So it it won't be lost on any, you know, Italian uh, wine grape growers or or vintners that, you know, this is a family owned and operated multi-generational company, although not 20 generations like some European old world, um, more in the California vein. Uh, So Short history on us as we uh, immigrated from Germany straight to Lodi, um, and that's where our family's been farming, you know, something for the last more or less 150 years. And um, things really didn't start getting kind of ramped up in a serious way um, on the farming side uh, and now the winemaking side uh, until the twins, my dad and my uncle. And after building up a pretty good vineyard holding, we decided to get kind of crazy and start our own winery as well. So they are actual twins. It's not just a name, right? <laughs> it's quite shocking. We get that question a lot, even when we've had in the past both twins, you know, and at 73 years old, you know, they don't look quite the same as they did when they were 10, but we'll have them both behind a table at a festival and somebody will be walk up and see Lang twins and say, are you guys related? You look a lot alike. <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, very much, very much a family company and they're, they're still active in the business, but it's, it's really our generation. Um, me being the youngest right now at, uh, at 40, I'll be 41 years old. Um, my sister, uh, my brother, my two cousins are all very much involved, uh, involved with running the winery and the vineyard operation. Um, as we kind of 
push it forward for the for the next generation. I mean, it all for us boils down to cultivating a lasting impact together. And what are we doing with the vineyards, with the winery, with all the families that are connected to us through the product that we grow out there in the vineyards? How do we how do we cultivate a, an impact for the future generations? And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And talk to us a little bit about working with your family, because, you know, in, in Italy, we have so many family owned wineries, as well as you alluded to. And you work with uh, multiple sides of the family, cousins, multiple family members, different generations. So just talk to us a little bit about the dynamics of your family's business um, and also how you eventually came to be in the position you hold with international sales. Yeah, so we all grew up together on the farm, on the vineyard. And so it was, everything was kind of one and the same. I mean, the two families grew up, you know, no more than 500 yards from each other or meters for the Italian audience. And so, you know, our cousins, while they're, you know, they're, they're pretty much half siblings because identical twins are genetically the same. Combined with that and just the proximity and how close uh, the two families were and are still today, um, it, it was, I mean, you only know the childhood you had, but looking back on it, I mean, that is really the glue that has, has kept us together through, you know, tough times, through big decisions as we, you know, uh, you know, progress this business from just a farm family to now winemaking family and now, you know, international business family. And so, you know, we, we definitely, those relationships were, were built and glued together you know, all, all back on the, on the original river ranch is where we grew up. Um, and that's, I think going to be really key uh, as we talk about gener- multi-generational businesses for the following generation, um, which, uh, my, I have one daughter and she is one of, of 10 <laughs> in the next generation. So, you know, started with five. I'm, I'm one of five in this generation. The next is 10. And the business is very different. Um, the one that they will have the opportunity to choose to get involved with or not. Very international, which is what we're going to talk about today. So on that note, you know, in this episode, Joe, we're talking to you about how can wineries and wine companies maximize their presence at international trade shows like Vin Italy, Pro Wine, Vin Expo, and more. There are so many events happening right now. I was just in New York and I think I had six or seven events in the span of four days. It was kind of insane. So, you know, we know we're back in the full swing of events after COVID. Uh, So we want to talk to you about how do we maximize as wineries and wine companies our presence at these events. We know they're expensive to travel to and activate at. So how do we really make the most of these international trade shows? So our three key takeaways for today's masterclass and what we're really excited to learn from you about are, you know, number one, the best ways to prepare for an international trade show. Number two, how do we make the most of the show during the event itself? And then number three, what are the most effective ways to follow up post-event? So um, let's dive in. And and to start, Joe, tell us a little bit about some of the international markets that you manage um, in your role at Lang Twins. So yeah, and going back to your earlier question about how I I got involved, um, you know, I I started out as consumer direct, uh, you know, sales and marketing, and then that led into some distributor uh, you know, marketing uh, uh, activities in different states in the U.S., and then had the opportunity to jump into international, uh, and that uh, has led me to doing these big, uh, these big shows like uh, Provine Dusseldorf for the Vin Expos of the world. Um, so where we're at today, 
for you know exporting for the last seven, eight, nine years. It, it kind of blurs with with COVID. I get that, right? We're we're selling in about fifteen different uh, countries. Of course, not every country needs you know to see you every every few months, thankfully. But these international trade shows are just obviously for efficiency's sake. They're they're the place to be to do as much business as possible. And I think everybody that's listening, I mean, they they understand that. Um, so we have Asian markets, we have European markets, um, you know, Canada's a, a big market for us as well, but it's really centered for us um, because Canada is so close, really thinking about it in, in kind of two different sections. How do I, how do I cover my, my Asia buyers? How do I cover my, my European buyers? So in terms of those, those two key markets, what are some of the events that you're looking at in order to reach as many buyers as possible in the most effective way? So Provine for us, uh, I'm speaking of Dusseldorf, uh, that is that is a key, probably our top uh, event. If we only had to, only could do one, that would be it, just because it's it's got such a critical mass of of uh, of suppliers and and, um, and and presenting wineries that you know I I do see a handful of our Asian importers come to that. The other side. You know, I was just in Venexpo Asia, which was held in Singapore this year, just a few weeks back, uh, maybe a month now. I'm still getting over my jet lag from 15 hour time difference. You saw a lot more of that, of that region uh, buyers, but it, it's just a, the size of it is just a fraction of Provine Dusseldorf. I always remark to the other wineries here, the great growers here. I mean, if, if ever you think you are a unique brand or a unique farm, you have a unique story. Go to Provine because you will you will just be amazed about how many different wineries are out there, how many family stories are out there, um, and just what the competitive landscape looks like for you. Right. Yeah, I imagine it gives you a really valuable perspective uh, being at those international shows, right, to see the landscape and what else is out there and how your own family's company can can truly stand out and, and be unique. Um but you know, speaking of jet lag for a second, tell us a little bit about more about some of your your travel tips. You travel quite a bit, so and so do so many of our listeners. I know we're all trying to be better, more healthy travelers. So what are what are some hacks you've picked up over the years? Yeah, for me, it's it's all about how do I be as as efficient as I can um, with time, and that sometimes goes completely against um, healthy traveling, <laughs> but. <laughs> The the change for me, just personally, and I think any export director um, can can uh, can relate to this. Um, it, I have a three year old daughter, and and so now it's it's all about how do I how do I plan my flight where I can also I can miss traffic to the airport because um, flying in and in and out of San Francisco for me here in California is uh, you got to be pretty strategic yep, with your traffic times like New York as well, I, I imagine. Oh, yes. And, but then how do I, how do I not miss, you know, <laughs> her, her wake up time or nap time or, you know, putting her to bed, you know, so how can I maximize that? Mm-hmm. Time? But it's efficiency. It's efficiency for me. So I, one of my little obsessions is I, I carry on only, um, shout out to <laughs> Tortuga backpacks. Cause I, I can do, you know, three weeks business, uh, uh, trip and, and not look like, uh, you know, a, a slob uh, <laughs> out of a backpack, and and be as efficient as I can. I absolutely despise checking checking bags um, and waiting at the baggage uh, baggage carousel, um, or 
having the risk of uh, of losing bags. And then, I mean, other not I wouldn't call them hacks, but for me, it's just I do all my travel planning. Um, I've found that working with the you know travel agent or working with you know someone within the office to do that actually just creates more work. That, that might be a little character flaw in me, but I I really do like the travel planning aspect okay. of it and and use that to my advantage and so i don't have to study where i'm going and, and what i'm doing that day because i've got it in my right, head because you booked it yourself that makes a lot of sense exactly so you're, you're it's really just about how do i how do i be self-sufficient and 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 really be able to move about the world in a super efficient um and for us who are not selling you know 250 dollars bottles of wine we have to be really mindful of the budget too so, and being a family member, not an export director that's got, you know, a, a cushy uh, expense report and flying, you know, first class. Yeah, that's, that's not the jam around here. Um, you know, any money I spend out of my, <laughs> out of my pocket comes out of my other pocket. So as an owner of the company, it is, you got to be really mindful of, of, of that as well. But, you know, the, the other thing is, um, I, I can't imagine, you know, and I'm, like I mentioned, I'm 41 years old. Uh, I can't imagine doing this job without the just absolute proliferation of apps and how useful they are, whether it's, you know, of course, communication apps like WhatsApp and Line and WeChat and all that, but also, you know, the ability to land somewhere and, and, and grab an Uber pretty much in, or a Lyft, right? Or a Grab in Vietnam and in Asia and stuff and navigate by Google Maps or, you know, Naver in, in Korea. I mean, that amount of information you have in your hand is is just absolutely insane, and that really facilitates doing this job, um, or really anybody can do this can do this job. Yeah, right? no, that that makes a huge difference. I think about that a lot, and back to the days of printing out MapQuest directions, right, and how hard that would make um, our anyone's job who travels like you in today's day and age. So. Very, very good reminder. We're grateful for those apps for sure. And actually, with and one more to add to that is uh, Google Translate. I mean, I have I have used Google Translate um, a in so many interesting ways, um, including just recently uh, at Mexican Customs trying to get wine into that into that market to use for samples. I'll I'll tell you the the result of that offline, but um, yeah. It was uh, it was a lot of Google Translate, even though uh, I do know some Spanish. It got pretty, got pretty complicated pretty quickly. Yeah, when you get into import laws and and wine shipping, I'd imagine that it's hard to to come up with the translations for those things on basic Spanish. So, <laughs> I'll look forward to hearing the outcome at another time. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. Um, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, you mentioned Pro Wine, you mentioned Vinexpo. How do you prepare for these trade shows? What do you do before you go? How far in advance are you planning? How many contacts are you reaching out to? Talk to us a little bit about your process for preparing for these shows. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just, let's just take Pro Wine. I mean, that, that comes in March. Um, I mean, I'm uh, right now I'm probably a little bit behind the ball because I haven't booked, you know, hotels and, and things like that. Um, many times in years past, I'll actually book my hotel, uh, as I'm flying 
home from ProLine for the following year, just because it's it's that big of a show. I mean, somewhere around you know fifty thousand people plus each day come into that into that city. Um, so that's one thing you definitely don't want to be paying the premium for finding that hotel room um, last minute. No last minute reservations. Yeah. Yeah. Or you better have some good friends that you can kind of crash in their room, um, which mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not uh, not recommended. But really, for me, that where I've had the most successful pro line is um, is is doing all the groundwork, all the all the foundational work of of meeting or setting meetings up with with importers, and so that is it's a lot of matchmaking, um, and that is facilitated by the California Wine Export Program that we're a part of. So I'd okay. encourage any um, you know winemakers from any region. If they have that export program um, or, or trade director uh, in their in their region, to use them as much as they can, because that is that's where I've had my my best uh, shows is where I can really cram a lot of meetings in with already warmed up and interested importers, and so we can taste the wines, and that's where the rubber meets the road. It's not my slick sales pitch. Um, I kind of have the anti slick sales pitch is let's taste and then let's chat because it's that's the foundation the wine's got to be good right the the story can't sell um the second bottle of wine the wine's got to be great and so how do i get as many uh you know glasses filled as i can during that during that show and groups like the expo program who can really facilitate okay i have two importers in poland that are interested in adding california wines between these price points Bam! I I know I can have that meeting because I know what my X seller price point is. I know it by the bottle because not everybody works in twelves, right? Like they do in the states. Uh, so many of them work in sixes. You know, convert all you know, convert all your units, right? So have all that work done so that you're not going out there only quoting a a twelve pack case price, talking about acres. Um, or gallons or, you know, all these things that present challenges to your, your foreign buyers. So put things in their language as much as you can. Do your translations ahead of time so you're not scrambling you know, to do those conversions during a conversation. Exactly. So that's the pre-work is, is really makes and, you know, being prepared, I guess, is what it comes down to is really what makes a successful show. Yeah. And so engaging with your export groups getting those meetings beforehand set up where possible, knowing which companies have the right fit for your brand. And, and something that I think a lot of people might forget, do your conversions as well for your quantities. I think that's a, that's a really important one. Um, so when you're at the show itself, I mean, you talked about getting as, as much juice into glasses as possible, getting in front of as many, and as many people that are applicable for your business as you can. But what are some other ways that you make the most of the trade show during the days itself, I mean, during the days itself, um, the I've done I've done a provine, which is a very busy show. Uh, just after COVID, when they uh, in twenty twenty two, so last year, when they when they held it in May, uh, I I actually went solo. Uh, usually, I'll, I would have had my wife with me, but we had a you know we had a daughter at home, and my wife also works in the business, so it was very useful to have two people there. That when I was in meetings, um, she was she was up at the booth, could pour wines for any customers walking by. But also, it wasn't just hiring pouring staff that knew nothing about the wines. 
uh, and actually had, you know, negative sales results. So she could facilitate that, that short tasting, see if it's worth uh, having the, the follow-up conversation and set a meeting for later that day or, or the following day if possible. When I went solo, one of the things I was like, okay, how am I going to capture these, these people walking by or getting sent over from the California wine team? I'm going to be there solo and, you know, bad form to just get up from your meeting to go handle, you know, to go answer the phone, so to speak, uh, which happens so often, which always makes me really laugh. Um, so what I did was I just created a, a little sign that I'd put out on my, on my stand with a QR code on it that had, that just went to my contact info and just a short note that said, you know, sorry, I'm in a meeting. Uh, please shoot me a note on WhatsApp or pretty much your preferred method of communication and let's set up a meeting. And, and so at least you're giving them away, uh, not just shooting them away, but giving them a way to, to, to reach out immediately. Yeah, that's a great idea. Simple, but definitely seems seems like it was effective. Did that work for you this year? Yeah, uh, it did. Um, that was it was effective in that year because I was I was solo and and I did get a few people that you know saw I was in a meeting and, and, and shot me a note. We were able to able to hook up. Uh, of course, that show was a bit smaller because it was just after COVID and you had to you know test to get back into certain countries, so the attendance was down. Luckily, this year. I had my sister who is the president of the winery. So she kind of knows, she kind of knows the, uh, the wines back and forth as well. So, um, well, so it was a really great tag team of when, when I had meetings, uh, she was kind of playing my support and, and vice versa, uh, when she had meetings. So that was, that was great. Now you're not always going to be able to get your, you know, your president and your export director to, to man, you know, multiple three day shows around the world. but you know, one thing I'd absolutely advise is if you're going to invest in these big shows, don't, don't just have someone there to, to slosh your wine around. Um, have somebody there that, that has some story to tell. They don't, they can be taught the export uh, sales, uh, sorry, the export price and, and things like that. But even if it's a, someone from the vineyard team, they can, they can put their own twist on, on that story. And so when they're talking about that Sauvignon Blanc, they may not talk about the winemaking, but may have a more impactful story to share about that vineyard, which could, you know, really put the the hook into a buyer. Absolutely. So make sure you're sending someone to these shows that's really knowledgeable about the brand and the wines um, and can add real, real value to whoever they're pouring for. Yeah. Okay. Um, some really useful tips for, for what to do during the show. Um and also just on the travel front, I mean, how do you keep your energy up? I find that, you know, these events, especially after COVID, I think our social stamina have all lowered slightly. Um, how do you just keep your energy levels up to get through those long days? Yeah, I mean, definitely if you're for Provine, you're you're there, you know, nine, nine plus hours. Um, I mean, you factor in trying to get to and from and, and all that. I mean, they're, they're very long days. And then um, not that you, you have to go out and drink a bunch of German beers afterwards, but that's typically what everyone does. Even if you go out to have dinner, you're really not making it back to your, your place until you know 11 o'clock or so uh, because of just how much time it takes to get out of the facility. Uh, and so a lot of, a lot of caffeine, I got to say a lot of caffeine. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big coffee lover. Um <laughs> So yeah, that's, that's something big for me, but also I think it helps to, at least for me, 
to to sometimes if you know you're going to be in that in that space and in that headspace really of just being on for nine hours a day plus to have to not book the hotel that everyone else is staying at so you're you're constantly running into people that you're you're having to have those conversations with yeah. give you your own space to go back and just have a quiet dinner if that's what you need um or a quiet drink that's not wine if that's what you need and then starting your day you know in, in that same you know kind of quiet quiet headspace now i say that but it's very it's it's very hard to do sometimes especially when you're you know you got a family back home that you're trying to connect with in different time zones and and you may only have you know 20 minutes while your daughter's getting ready to go to school that you can see her face so you know i think it's you, you try to plan you know plan for the the best case scenario and just be prepared for it not to call you know come together in the best way so post event you know back home um have have beaten maybe the jet lag a little bit what's your plan for follow-up how do you follow up with all those contacts that you made how do you um, gain traction with the connections that you made at the show it's it's a tough thing uh, to do after you've spent you know a, a day traveling three days at a show, you're exhausted, but I, I do try to spend my flight home, uh, no matter where it's from and at whatever hour it, it is that, uh, I've got my, either my stack of cards or I've got my notes, uh, either notebook or putting notes into, you know, your, your digital notebook on your phone and, and, and try to send really relevant specific emails so that you're reminding, uh, buyers or, or anybody you have met there where they met you, uh, how to remember you and any really specific, specific point. So I'm trying to make it as relevant as, as I can to get a, a response and, and to keep that, keep that conversation kind of bubbling. It, it's really easy to just fly home, get back into family life. And four days later, you know, check your inbox and, and then start sending uh, out the, you know, your email, uh, follow up. Uh, or, you know, on WhatsApp, sometimes it's actually more common now, but it's, uh, I find it's a lot more effective if you, if you get on it right away. So follow up as soon as possible. Don't wait to let giving people, you know, those, those few extra days after a show, but do the follow up while you and the conversation are top of mind. Yeah. Memories are really short nowadays and attention spans are really short, right? So they definitely are. Being, being able to to leverage that time you just spent, I think, is really important to do. Uh, and with a quick follow up, it doesn't have to be long winded. Just quick follow up, quick reminder. Uh, you know, particularly you know which wines they liked, and some follow up follow up questions about you know keeping the thing going. The other thing I say, and and maybe this is because you know it's my family business, but um, uh, I always go back to that like you know, people buy from people. Um, it's that connection. It's that, you know, and everyone says, you know, relationships, 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 but, you know, I, I share, I share a fair amount of our, of our you know, family story through the brand, but also just personal life. Because, you know, if you're connecting with somebody that's, that's in, you know, a corporate buyer for a large retail chain in Germany, um, you know, they don't have that same luxury. And I think sometimes, uh, we, we get away from that uh, sharing of just, uh, you know, personal stories and what's going on, um, and really getting invested in each other's, yeah. in each other's 
lives, so to speak. I mean, it's a professional relationship, but at the same time, like we're all, we're, we're all humans, we're all people. And so to be able to um, converse like that. And I think when it comes down to it, people like, people like buying things from people they like. Yep, definitely. That's, that's a really, really good reminder for, for all our listeners. Okay. So let's do our, our rapid fire quiz We're wrapping up and you know, you shared so many good tips, Joe, and I want to make sure we recap them all for our listeners today. So if you can do your best to answer these questions in one sentence or less. Question number one, what are some of the best ways to prepare for an international trade show? I'd say do your pre-work, do your pre-work, networking, media requests. Okay. Question number two, what are your tips for making the most of the show during the festival days itself? Uh, having very knowledgeable people presenting your brands if you can't be there yourself. Okay, fantastic. And finally, what are some of the most effective ways to follow up post-event? Do it quickly and on a human level. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us today on the Italian Wine Podcast. Uh, I learned a lot and definitely some tips that I'll be using, I know, in future events, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. How can our listeners connect with you and Link Twins? Well, scan that QR code. <laughs> no, uh, shoot me. Uh, you can find Link Twins on all the, all the social channels, just at Link Twins. Um, and, then, and then happy to connect with anybody around the world. Um, email is just Joe, J-O-E at LangTwins.com. Um, one of the things, you know, I, I've failed to mention is, you know, at these shows, you, you're able to connect with so many different, um, you know, wine professionals from around the world. And, and, you know, much of our business is very collaborative and, and friendly and social. And so that's, that's really one of the joys of this business is being able to connect with people like me just in, in Italy or in France or in Spain or Argentina and Chile. So it really it's is. Really, really a thrill. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's a good reminder for all of us on a Monday morning as, as we dive into our work week. So thank you again, Joe, for being here, for having this conversation with me today. It was great to have you on the Italian Wine Podcast. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass U.S. Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.